Good morning, church. I'm so glad that you're here with us today for this very special Sunday. Today is World Communion Sunday, so we will participate in the sacrament of Holy Communion. We will partake the juice and bread in remembrance of the great sacrifice that Jesus did in the cross for us, which is the true gospel. As I ponder and pray about this message, I thought that one of the things that we're struggling to to live our lives is keeping our joy flowing. Instead, we breathe anxiety, unrest, and division. So I stumble uh, on this video or this interview that um, somebody did to Bishop William Willimon who is a a retired bishop from the United Methodist Church, is a professor of Duke Divinity School. He's the author of 70-plus books. So the story that I want to share with you, it's about a young man who wrote a letter to Bishop Williman. In his letter, he states how he was a member of the church that he was a pastor in Greenville, Alabama. And in the letter, he tells the bishop how he has enjoyed very much a book that he wrote on racial justice. And how, because of that and because of the influence of the bishop, now he is working toward racial justice in Georgia. So obviously, he says that he realized how he got very interested in that letter. And he wrote a letter back to this young man saying, Wow, what a wonderful compliment. Thank you very much. But he asked in that letter, What was it of my ministry that uh, influenced you that much? As he did that, he tried to remember this young man. And I quote, he said, I remember he was, what he says, a bratty kid. About eight years old, his mother was going through a very difficult divorce, and as is expected, he was acting out. He would act out on Sunday morning, and I will have to say the ushers, get this kid out of here. I have a sermon to finish. Anyway, he wrote the letter. He received a letter back from from this young man, and he said, when you serve me communion, you always call me by my name. You said, Rob, the body of Christ given for you. We never had a pastor that ever called me by my name. When he read that letter, he thought, that was it? I call you by your name? But then he said how he reflect on the matter. And he said, well, that's the way God typically works. God says, look, Give me what you got, and I will work it into something interesting. I called this kid by his name at eight years old, and God said, I will do the rest. I wanted to share this story just to remind you of something you already know. This is how God works. He's not asking us to save the world. He already did it. He's just asking us to be more like him. In a time like the one we are living now, we must hit the pause and refocus our lives in general. 
We have already realized how important it is to reallocate our priorities in our daily living. We are now aware of the importance of community in our daily lives. However, we all know that community doesn't just magically happen. No, it requires a lot of work and effort, especially when we try, when we are attempting achieving unity. Paul, in the letter to the people of Philippi, is dealing with a double threat to the unity in the church. The first one is an outside threat. It was a false or distorted teaching from the gospel, which Pastor Vidalis touched last week. The second is an inside threat, which is the internal disagreements. So I ask you to join me in the reading from the letter to the Philippians, chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, which has the title, Imitating Christ's Humility. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. This passage is a continuation of the exhortation that Paul has already started in chapter 1. So I want to call your attention to at least verse 27 when he says, Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Again, all that we are called is to be like Christ. Therefore, I want to talk to you about at least two things this morning that we need to practice to live the Christian life in unity as it is expected from us. If you're a note taker, this is the first condition. This is the first practice that we need to implement in our daily living. Be like-minded. Paul begins this chapter 2 with a plea in some form of poetical writing in the, language, in the Greek language. But it, by, it basically conveyed the meaning of something certain about an unquestionable reality. So if we were to substitute for better understanding the if with the word since, if you allow me to paraphrase this text, it will read something like this. Since you have been encouraged by being united with Christ, since you have been comforted by His love, since you have been shared this, the same Spirit and received tender compassion, Paul says, then we need to be like-minded people. Note that he doesn't say to be of the same mind because that would be pretty boring and honestly pretty useless. Can you imagine? No creativity. Everybody say, think the same thing. He says be like-minded, which means to be united around the same purpose. We need to overlook our petty differences and agree on the big stuff. And the big stuff here is that we are the body of Christ. 
Therefore, we have been loved the same way, so we ought to love the same way. He follows the message with a call to show forth a spiritual unity. This unity is only possible because of the things that we have received from God. We are of one spirit. We are of one mind. What unites us is greater than what separated us. Think about basic training when you're in the army. When you go to boot camp, the drill sergeant is there or the, the, the training instructor is there to shape out of you the background staff that makes you unique and shape of you a new group identity. It is not about you anymore. It is about the unit. It is about the fight that you are about to embark. What unites you is greater than anything that might divide you. And so it is the same thing within the church. When you become a believer, you are linked not only to God, like something some people think it is just between God and I. What about the people around us? What about the people all over the world? But also to brothers and sisters across the globe. You are part of a family. That's why when you read or when you hear about Christians on the other side of the world, you feel some kind of connection to them. Now, Paul said unity does not mean uniformity. Coral Springs or any of our, of our communities needs to see a healthy church family, not a dysfunctional family. We need to be a family that first and foremost works hard getting along. We need to overlook the small staff, to work through conflict, to become quick to repent and quick to forgive. So other people can see the love of God in the way we treat each other, even when we are social distancing. When that happens, my brothers and sisters, people are drawn to God. And that's why this is one of my favorite verses. When John says, by these, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So remember, we are called, number one, to be like-minded. Number two, be humble-minded, verse 3 and 4. Do nothing out of self-ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Paul's exhortation continues as he described these expressions of spiritual unity. The terms of the apostle use reveal an underlying problem in the church of Philippi. The situation Paul addressed evidently was prompted by self-centeredness among certain Christians. Nothing was to be done out of selfish ambition or vain conceit which is better translated of an empty glory. This empty search was probably the root cause of their selfish ambition. Please note that the two negatives are followed by a positive exhortation. In humility, consider others better than yourself. 
Humility before God and men is a virtue that every child of God needs to, to strive for. A spirit of pride in human relationship indicates a lack of humility before God. You see, true humility doesn't think less of yourself. True humility simply thinks of yourself less. For, for example, less time to plotting how to get your own way. Why? Because you are busy thinking about others. Paul is not asking us to become a doorman, to be used and abused with no life of our own. He is simply saying that we, me included, need to learn the value others before ourselves. See how he says over there, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. So I found this acronym of joy that I thought it was appropriate to put in perspective the way that we should think about ourselves. Joy, which means Jesus, others, and then you. This is a familiar theme throughout the New Testament. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, which Pastor Vidalis quote last week says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 says, Submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. And 1 Peter 5, 5 Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Now, humility, like I said, is not an easy thing to attain. As a matter of fact, Andrew Murray says, Humility is that grace that when you know you have it, you have lost it. Let me say that again. Humility is that grace that when you know you have it, you have lost it. So don't be bragging about how humble you are. Remember, Mr. Murray, marriage is a good way to understand this idea. I guess God has a sense of humor because he leads you to marry someone opposite to you. Opposites attract, right? So the thing that you thought was very cute when you first met is now the thing that drives you crazy. Yes, if you make your marriage work, you discover that what unites you is greater than what divides you. My wife wanted me to tell you that I am the lucky one, but in reality, you all know that she is the lucky one. If you are not married, you will have to trust us. No, not really, because this really is the same principle even for a friendship. If you have a friend that you still call him friend, you have discovered the same thing, that whatever unites you is stronger than whatever divides you. Once again, it is the same thing within the church. Paul says, you find like-minded people in being humble-minded. While each one of us is different, part of our unity is developing a humble, serving heart putting each other above ourselves. Then, and only then, we become like Christ. So remember, it is a simple task. Two things, be like-minded 
be humble-minded. And then we will be a true demonstration of the gospel to the world.